The strongest stars have hearts of Kaiba. I'm going with the force of forces with me. That's not how the Force works. Well, let's start somewhere. Welcome everybody to the KyberCast. This is episode number 58, recorded August 4th, 2020. My name is Joe Becker, I'm one of the hosts, and with me as always is... And I'm Michael Diaz, I'm the other host. Hey Michael, how are you today? I am excellent. How are you? I'm uh, good. Good. I'm actually very excited. We have a, a fun show today. At least I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun for me, especially. Um, we are having a special guest on the podcast today, and it is my good friend. Well, I think he's my good friend. He can tell you that. I don't know. His <laughs> name's Chris Eikens here. Hey, hey. You know what, Chris? Did I even say your name right? You did. Yeah, you <laughs> okay. killed it. Perfect. Yeah, man. I should if we're good friends. You sh- Yeah, you should be able to do that. Uh Thanks, thanks, Joe and Michael, for having me uh, to hang out with you. Uh, it's our pleasure. A, a little background for our listeners. Uh, Chris Eikens here is not only a friend of mine, and uh, but he's also somebody I've worked with, and he's a owner and creative director, part owner. I think you have, uh, you have to tell me exactly. I don't know your whole business there. Of Some Odd Pilot, which is a fantastic creative agency in the Chicago area that has worked with incredible clients like Patagonia, Anytime Fitness, uh, Pitchfork, if you're familiar with Pitchfork, oh, yeah. and F- yeah, he's worked with Pitchfork and the FX Network, which we're going to talk about a little bit today. But uh, Chris, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, aside from being a fantastic musician, too, that's this is all around <laughs> creative guru. Joe, are you trying to date him? <laughs> no, he's taken. I would, but he's taken. <laughs> that's nice of you, Joe. Uh, I appreciate it. No, uh, yeah, man, I I, uh, I'm, I come from a world of. Uh, 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 playing the drums, you know, uh, growing up playing the drums, being in bands, um, break dancing, uh, wanting to be a, you know, an artist of some kind, picked up photography, started my own business when I was 25 called some odd pilot. And, um, you know, kind of wanted to take over the world, uh, making album covers and music posters and stuff. And yeah, one thing led to another and I ended up, um, you know, I ended up in the world of, uh, uh, well, we branded Pitchfork and then that, that, you know, we did Pitchfork and all the, and their website and then turned, you know, the heads of, um, of bigger, much bigger, like, uh, global brands and stuff. And the next thing you know, it, we grew a company out of, uh, you know, working for people like Saucony and Patagonia and some of that stuff that you mentioned, but, um, you know, it all, it all traces back to Star Wars for me. Like I, I, uh, I got into all that stuff really just to like kind of my fascination with, um, worlds and, world building so uh i i have star wars to think and comic books um joe my kids are uh i'm i'm trapped in a in a in this uh, lockdown thing and i've got hundreds of comic books from the 70s and 80s and my my four-year-old and my nine-year-old are just they're tearing through all of them uh since this whole thing started and uh you'd be proud how is how is everyone good the family's good. good yeah they have each you're, other, you know. They play. You're in Minnesota now, or where, you said, mentioned something Minnesota. Or you're in Chicago right now. No, I'm in uh, northern Wisconsin, up in Door oh, County. Oh, Wisconsin, up in Door oh. County. Yeah, it's very rural, very quiet. There's nobody around. 
bizarre. Yeah. For family time, or are you doing a photo? Thing? No, we've been up here for five months. Uh, oh my gosh! We wow. Just, we took off Alicia's parents. My wife's parents are up here, and we thought we could help them out a little bit and uh, make life a little slower for ourselves. So we wow. took it. Hey, it's kind of strange, right? It's so weird. I mean, working in uh, at your studios in Chicago, which is a fantastic area of Chicago. It's so fun over there. I can't imagine what what your team is like and what's going on and um, and how you work on projects, especially like what, what you know, Michael and I talked, uh, was it last week, Michael, or two weeks ago about Comic-Con? Last week. Last week. See, that's where yep. my head's at. Um, and we were just, you know, kind of sad that, you know, what are the new experiences? And so that kind of prompted me. I know you guys worked on the FX network uh, experience, and I kind of want to talk to you about how that all went down and what, what were people looking for? Because I, I feel like this – Sometimes the mother of invention is right is the necessity, right? So yeah. we, we had to change things for this conference, and maybe conferences are changed forever. Right. But uh, maybe give us a little insight as to how you guys were approached and or and, and try to attack this project. Yeah, no, it's a it's fascinating because um, you know I don't know what's going to happen in the next few years, but uh, you know we we're definitely going to be testing the waters of you know can uh, can we can we bring live experiences to to digital and can we do it in a way that's um compelling and fun and and you know uh once you crack that open um i don't know one of the first thoughts i had was uh man i went to star wars celebration and i saw joe there actually and uh yeah yeah it seems like a, another lifetime it does but you know being there is so is you know i was there with my son it was so much fun um, wouldn't, wouldn't trade it for the world, but you know, sometimes if you, if you step back though, and kind of condense the, the moments of pure like fandom or, mm-hmm. you know, pure, that kind of like exploratory nature of it. Um, and that discovery, it, it, it actually might come down to maybe 15 or 20 minutes, uh, boiled down to its essence. And the rest of the time you're kind of walking around looking for stuff and, yeah, that's path. true. It's like if you go to uh, Cedar Point or something, which is an amusement park here in the Midwest. Yeah, it's like if you actually break down your ride time, you might get <laughs> one hour out of eight, right? Right of your riding time. If you or if you've gone to Disney World or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, digital is. I mean, I you know, I I would definitely rather be there in person as of right now, but you know, in lieu of that, and, and this is, and that speaks to somebody who might be living, you know, in Berlin and wanting to check out San Diego Comic-Con. Um, you know, they're not going to, if they, if you can't get over to it, digital can be the next best thing. And it can be really more than that, right? It can be, um, you know, you've got like a captured audience that's close to the material at hand. They're sort of, you know, waiting for, um, uh, in interactive experience and they're, you know, they're sitting right there and you can build it for them uh, in such a way that you can kind of go deeper and go, you know, control the experience more and, and give someone more than they maybe, maybe could have gotten from a live event. And this, so when they came back and, and how did they pitch this to you? Did they just come up and say, we just need a website or, and you guys said, no, you need an experience or was it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the FX team, uh, they were really great to work with. A lot of talented artists that, um, that you know, they, they 
they could give us some art and stuff that they were really looking for because you know these guys are movie movie and tv people they've they've got mm-hmm. great vision um but i think i think the team that that was in charge of the project was you know they were used to that experiential let's build a booth and build some stuff at the convention um so you know i think honestly they were thinking of it from the point of view of um, we're going to get these great webinars from Dave and um, we're going to, you know, have a game for uh, what, what you, what we do in the shadows um, and so on. And, and they were, I think they were kind of like, I don't, let's put this on the web and, and try to make it interesting. Um, and I think our, my team got super jazzed cause we're all geeks and uh, you know, love those shows. And I think we really took it to the, to the to the nth degree where like we weren't just going to serve up the webinar we were going to like like for dave you know we we built we uh imagined what dave's desktop would look like and so mm-hmm. when you log into that experience you have to like guess at his password and you ha- and then when you get onto his guest his desktop and you're all these you know all of dave's folders are around and you can click through them and for a while we wanted to have uh a folder called dick pics but i, I don't think that that made it <laughs> <laughs> um if you ever that seen that show, that was, yeah, right. It it would have fit the show. It fit the show really well, but I don't think it made it to the end. But um, yeah, because kids can like search and find this, right? Yeah, that's not you know that's not right. maybe cool for. But it wouldn't actually have dick pics, but it would just be no, called no. that, which would get you to click on it. You know, it's <laughs> clickbait. So, right. but yeah, I think I think we really you know we just took it to the next level where like when you get there, you kind of want to play around and you want to like explore stuff and. I, I really looked at it like um, uh, that experience, you know, Joe and you and Michael. I'm I'm sure you both know. It's like you're you walk into a conference or a convention, and you 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 might see a flashy thing that you walk towards, and then mid exploration of that thing, something else catches your eye. It might be mm-hmm. like cosplay or another another booth or something, and then now you're off in that direction. So we really wanted to recreate that experience of stumbling over cool stuff. You know, did this have to work in any way shape or form with the comic-con website or was it all separate from that well it no it was it 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 launches you can launch from there from the comic-con like sort of central website but you know i think i think that's one of the the stumbles because you know this was last minute it was super last minute for everybody um i don't think they knew that they were going to cancel it till pretty late um and you know to to no one's fault it was like Right. Was Comic-Con ready to like build a, you know, multi-million dollar website experience to house all the brands? You know, pr- no, but the brands could sort of turn on a dime and try to whip one up for themselves, right? Right. So yeah, it ended up being like, I think to experience Comic-Con, you, you really had to kind of drift around a bunch of different uh, private, like, you know, brand properties, basically, to, to get right. all the content that you wanted. You know, what's what's funny to me or, or strange, and I, I don't know if it's strange, but with Zoom taking off, I mean, it really, like a rocket, right? It was just yeah. used for, for shitty meetings at, at corporate meetings right. and things like that. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's horrible. I mean, it's so much better now. I mean, it, they've really worked this off. I know there's other problems uh, with security and those kind of things. But point is, with this kind of technology that much better, I'm really hoping that, and I'll pay for this as a consumer. Let's say Star Wars Celebration again is is, is going to happen next year. Let's mm-hmm. hope that 
you know, things get better. And, and they have a Star Wars celebration and they have these panels, you know, and they've got the Mandalorian season three panel up there. Yeah. Man, I would, I, I can't afford that, but I'll pay a hundred dollars for the, the week experience if I can jump into the zoom and watch the zoom and maybe even post a question type wise, yeah. you know, at, I'll pay that money dollars for online. If I could get experiences where I can ask John Favreau a question. Sure. And he answer it. Absolutely. And, and or possibly answer it. I think it would be, mm-hmm. you're, I'm talking over four days, Michael, not like a one panel thing. Like if I got all of star Wars celebration and I can tap into all the panels, whether it's the new movie panel or animation and, or, an art panel that that i want to see because i can't fly out there a hundred dollars to me feels like a fair you know maybe they'll send me a pin too right or a patch or some bullshit <laughs> right. um interesting. but i think they could i think they can rethink the business and i think that's something that's really interesting to me. and that's why i was really wanting to talk to chris about this because if this is the beginning the genesis of a new way of conferences we have the technology now yeah yeah i, I really think we do and i think it's just it's in its like nascent form where, um, yeah, Michael, your, your, uh, question, your question there is right. It's like, what is it worth? How much would you pay? I think people are trying to figure that out, but also they have to figure out how to deliver that experience that just makes it incredible. You know, um, I hear what you're saying about how you tried to make the site like when you walk into a con, which, I have to admit, having gone to multiple cons now myself, it's hard. I mean, that, that must have been difficult because I, I know that feeling. And you first walk through the doors, you know, you show your badge or your ticket or whatever. You walk through and then it's just that first day and it's like everything. And it's almost <laughs> overwhelming. And you're yeah. like, okay, where where's what? And, you know, just like you said, something catches your eye and then something else. And then you make the decision to step onto the floor and, start your day <laughs> yeah yeah that's magic right uh oh yeah so that must have been i mean exactly it. it's magic i mean how do you capture that feeling how do you how do you put that in a website that must have been quite the challenge it it is and it's also um cool because you know like the the the, the booth world is limited by you know what you can set up and build and yada yada but the, you know online you can play with video and play with interaction and motion and really nice graphics and uh really well designed environments downside is it just takes longer so you have less of it maybe but i think what you can whip up can be really cool and then if you're throwing in like you know like if you were debuting a new trailer for the next star wars movie or whatever like you know that's a that's a big centerpiece and I, when i think about the day that i went celebration with my kid that was it that was the number one thing i was going to do was i was going to see that trailer and uh yeah i think you know you can build a lot of fun stuff around that and um especially if you start thinking about the like you know we're all aware that budgets kind of you know end up getting in the way and mm-hmm. i'm sure in this scenario they they were flying by the seat of their pants trying to figure it out but imagine if they got incentivized where like like what's a normal attendance to a comic con you think oh my gosh i don't know uh, i believe like san diego over the course of the four or five days depending if you want to include preview night or not is somewhere around a hundred thousand over the course wow yeah cool and like imagine if you could uh 
you know, push those numbers. Like how many real fans are, are there in the world? I mean, those numbers could go to toward a million if, you know, and then, and then, and then what is it worth to put in to build an incredible experience and have great panels and, um, you know, I, I read some criticism online, and nobody was criticizing the FX thing, thankfully. <laughs> but there's always going to be people. I mean, there's people. They just, you know, but people no, but, just want to see the world burn, Chris. Well, yeah, right. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, some of you know, some there was some flack. I think some of the you know, like some of the actors on the panels looked bored. I, I was hearing someone online say that. And, it looked kind of slapdash and, you know, and people were saying if these things are going to be produced, like let's produce them, you know, mm-hmm. and, and um, bring up the production value, which I think, you know, if you, if, if they, if the brands start thinking that there are eyeballs to be captured, I, I feel like this could go a long way. It yeah. could go a really long way. My, my concern overall though is, listen, I think conferences will be here to stay once People will be itching to get back. It's, it's either going to go one way, like people are going to be forever P, uh, you know, post-traumatic stress after this and not want to be around anybody, or it's going to be the exact opposite where they're just going to turn into like Woodstock and you know, you know turn into some weird <laughs> huggy thing down the road, right? We're a ton together. So, um, but I think eventually conferences will be back. My fear, though, is when you have um, technology and stuff like this, um, will it – will it – stop the big names from coming to these and just doing their own thing then right so they um, right. i'll go i'll go to like apple who used to do who used to do conferences and now they just do their own events right right so like what what happens what, will they will they um stop doing these shows and then what what becomes of the real names like you know you've got star wars does celebration they're probably never going to do a comic-con again right and then you've got marvel as part of um Disney and they go to D23 maybe. Right. That's a valid concern, man. Um, I think, you know, I think it's probably a similar trend to what you just pointed out where the big guys can pull away the, you know, the smaller brands that want to like pull together for the crowd. Um, But Comic-Con will have to, you know, really, and all the cons will have to work hard to make a, a hub that speaks to, all of that, right? So that you can mix up the different brands and, and, and the different properties and the different franchises and have a lot of fun in that environment. Yeah, I mean, think about like if you did a Zoom type. I hate. I'm not trying to plug Zoom. I just don't know what other technology can, <laughs> can handle. WebEx, you know, Google, Google, <laughs> Google Meet, Google Meet. There you go. Google can't even keep fucking Google Plus going. Like I don't trust them anymore. <laughs> anything. Um, I mean, they could do a, a cosplay show where you, you watch yep. and you can vote and, and who wins that. You can you can do, I think, what if they did a cool thing where they had part of the fun of conferences is the marketplace for some people that do collectibles. Oh, big time. What if you had a curated, like, you can have, like, each each room, you can have rooms of shopping, right? And you can yep. have the owner of their own, maybe it's their website, they can go on site, but they can, like, w- talk you through. What are you looking for? I'm looking yep. for, you know, the original land speeder with the Luke Skywalker. Oh, I've got three. You know what I mean? Like, maybe there could be more yeah. than just browsing and clicking. Can you have a, can we, can can you find a way to have a, a, a live experience with the marketer, with the, you know, a merchant, you know? I don't know. I don't know. I I'm, think that's I'm, huge. Yeah. Right? I think, because part of no, that, that yeah. is, is, is part of the experience, right? Yeah, that was that, and that was a large, um, a large miss that 
I, they just didn't, I don't think they had time to deal no. with that infrastructure. But imagine if they just built like a marketplace and, uh, you know, you can get in all those private, um, smaller businesses could get in there and, and, and sell their wares. I think that would be so cool because I don't know about you, but I think I spent like, you know, 50% of my time at Celebration just looking at toys with my kid. Like, oh, I, yeah. Great. Absolutely. That was, that was the joy of it is of seeing. It. And then when you're, when you're doing that, you're also seeing the cosplay and everything else that's going, that's the hard stuff. I mean, you, listen, it's not going to replace it. You know, it's not going to, um, it, it's not going to change. It, it's a different experience online. And I think people will understand that, but it's better than yeah. no experience and it can get better. Yeah. Yeah. There's a long way to go there, man. And I think I, you know, I've been looking at a lot live music as well. Like I think, um, we've yeah. been working on some, uh, some stuff around that because that's, you know, that's, that obviously needs to get solved. And I, and I think, I think, I think digital could take it to the next level. When you think about access, I think access is where digital can really thrive with all these subjects, you know? And I'm not even quite sure it has to be Uber produced. Like I've loved the, the, part of the thing I like about this quarantine. If there's something like this, I got to learn a lot about the Russo brothers with their pizza and, movie talk have you seen that chris on youtube no i haven't oh they got great they have like nine episodes where they find they pick a movie like empire they have one with empire strikes back awesome. they, they dissect it with mark hamill and they talk about screenwriting and film and making movies and how they produce it and what how good the writing is here and how they did this and how it influenced them you know and they've got one on flash gordon and they've got and they've got one like on uh, um no country for men or something like that like like not all of them are sci-fi but uh-huh. hearing how they like talk about making films and their love of it. It's just great. Like, and, and then it's just them in front of their computer on a zoom. I don't care, you know, Yeah. just Mark Hamill at his house. And that's the kind of thing. It's like, well, Mark Hamill's right there and I'm watching it. It's kind of like, I'm part of it. I would never see that. Like, yeah, and, and it makes it easier for these stars because they don't have to go anywhere. Yep. They're at their house. Yep. Yeah. I've, I've loved it. I loved it. I, I, I was immediately charmed by like, <clears throat> Jimmy Fallon taking it home. Um, I like his show better. Like when he's yeah. in this awkward situation and uh, Stephen Colbert, I mean, I, you know, and then the interviews, like you're saying, like um, it's fun to see. It's amazing how many stars don't have like very nice kitchens or wherever they're standing. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> never home, man. You're like, your place looks like every condo I've ever seen in Chicago. Like it's very funny. <laughs> Let me let me ask a question on, on interfaces because I'm here's the salty person in me, Chris. Uh-huh. Has anything even really gotten better other than bigger and more um, more resolution? But I haven't seen anything better than Peter Gabriel's Explora DVD <laughs> or CD. Right. You know what I mean? Do you remember yeah. that? Yep. Where you had to unlock his face and you can go play his instruments. You can walk. You had QuickTime <laughs> VR where you can walk between. <laughs> Uh, studios and then you can see him you can make a song like that thing was groundbreaking and i don't think anything's been much better bigger and maybe you know what i mean in terms of feeling maybe i'm wrong maybe it's being nostalgic but what are your thoughts uh you asking me yeah yeah no i i mean look i mean the 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 trouble the the trouble is you know people it it's hard to teach everyone like new ways of interacting with stuff all the time right mm-hmm. and there's so many properties to interact with digitally uh you know and what you've seen for since 
that sense explorer is um you know a gradual like sort of sort of dumbing down like not dumbing down but it's like consolidating the way these things work so people don't have to yeah. learn a new game every time they they go on to, to explore some content right and that does take the fun out of it uh, to a large degree. And I think like, but what I think what you've been seeing since the lockdown has been like this, like return to um, more narrative website consideration, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we certainly uh, found ourselves embracing it with FX. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think that's been largely left behind, but then I think it's going to come back. I feel like it's like there's, a lot to be done with that. Um, that could be really fun. You just need to have like a, a captive audience. Yeah, I think a captive audience, but I also think you need a, a pioneer thought person. And I'm not yes. sure that's out there yet. I think somebody like Peter Gabriel at that time, I mean, Michael, do, have you seen that Explorer CD? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I've heard of it. I have never actually seen it though, but I know, you know, Peter Gabriel was always an early adopter of technology back in the day. So, that doesn't surprise me. It sounds cool, but I have not actually seen it. It's it's really cool, and maybe I'm like again, and Chris, you can stop me. Maybe I'm looking back at with it with nostalgia, but I remember it being a very one of the, a groundbreaking thing where you there's a lot of different ways of moving around interfaces, and because really the, the real interface we have right now until touch becomes stronger is still point and click, <laughs> yeah. right? It's still my mouse arrow, yeah. click on something, drag it if you want. I mean, that's 25 years ago, I think, that CD came out. Yeah. That, you know what I mean? The clicking was going on since the 90s. Right? I know. It's it's nuts. So <laughs> we haven't – and we still have a keyboard based on a machine of a typewriter right. that was based on – the only reason it's set up this way is so that the hammers wouldn't hit each other. That's the only reason we have it set up this way. <laughs> so that's it's fascinating. kind of – it's kind of like uh, Microsoft's off, uh, uh, operating system. They, they don't get rid of the old shit. They just keep piling on. <laughs> Anyways. I love how you know this stuff. I love that, Joe. <laughs> yes. Um, so my, my thing is, maybe if we finally get to touch, maybe we can do some really, really cool things with, with experiences. You know, maybe you can take that product from a conference and hold and, and swirl it on screen or something and you know, maybe there's gloves you wear or something. I don't know. Down the road, it could be very interesting. So, I agree. You know, I think there's we're, we're definitely at the beginning. And you know, what's funny is I just watched. Um, sounds stupid, but I, I watched the making of Phantom Menace. Ooh, I haven't, I haven't watched yeah. it. In a while. I watched it. But I put it on while I work and something to throw on that I don't have to really pay attention to because I'm working. I'm with you. Yep. And I watched it and I was like, they were they were they were working on these Max Chris. And Michael, that these screens were not even 24 inches wide, right? Right. Building these movies Incredible. with computer computer graphics, and it's still—I mean, they've been cleaned up over the years, but well, oh my god! And they were like, "We don't know how how we're going to do this," and they figured it out, right? Regardless if you like the movie or hate the movie or whatever, they they changed yeah. film again, and that's what Lucas did, and that's what Peter Gabriel did. Like, yeah. we need we need that company or pioneer to do that for conferences i think or for like you said chris for live bands like where are they like like musicians are screwed right now they don't make money off spotify they don't make money off you know these streaming platforms they can't tour is where they made their money so and then you got the guy from spotify saying you need to you can't put out music once every two years you have to do it all the time the fuck are you dude (laughs) you know yeah so or Bandcamp. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love the Bandcamp model because it's like it's so friendly that um, you know bands, large and small, want to be a part of it, and because it's good for them. And I think mm-hmm. that that kind of platform really has a lot of power when you think about it because people just want to use it on both sides of the of the equation. But I agree with you, man. Like, yeah, like some somebody needs to to kick the door open and uh, and think think different, as as they say. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it, man. I think I think pioneering. I mean, if we stay trapped in these houses like this much longer, like you're gonna see it. It's gonna happen because this 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 can't go on. And- no, it can't go on. I mean, I I I mean, some parts where I live, people think it's a hoax. I won't get it. We're not gonna talk politics, man. But <laughs> I, I just think that. Um, yeah, I'm a little worried that eventually the dam will break. You can't hold people back forever yeah. and, and what will be will be i suppose hopefully we get past but, this but you know we might be moving into a world where this kind of thing just happens more often or something and um but it, and and the way i'm thinking of it too though it's like if conventions go digital and they kick butt on it mm-hmm. let's say next year what they would keep they can keep that layer on top of it you know and then all of a sudden we're looking you know 10 years from now we're looking back going oh isn't it funny that they used to have these shows that you had to show up at right yeah i mean you could and you still can but that's it that seems so primitive that you have to like actually go and stand there and then it's over and no well, one can ever see it again that's something uh joe and i discussed last week after you know the the meh that was comic-con because i mean there was some cool stuff no question but you had to search it out but one of the things we talked about was the fact that you know, it's a pipe dream of mine to someday go to Comic-Con if I can magically get in in time and get a ticket. And if I can magically <laughs> reserve a hotel room in San Diego right. during Comic-Con and then fly out there and spend all this money and stuff. I mean, I did the math like 10, 15 years ago, and I thought minimum just to go, like not even buy anything really, was going to be upwards of $2,000. And that's... Whoa. That's an investment, right? Yeah. I mean, I still want to go, but if I can experience more of that from the comfort of my own home, I'm not against that. Now, would I pay a hundred bucks like Joe is saying? I don't know. That's, that's the tricky part. What's that magic price point where people were stay at home, but still pay money. Right. Right. And for years, I think the live industry has been worried about that interrupting people from actually going, which I don't, I don't see that, but you know, cause you know, you get, you get 20 people in your house to watch the San Diego comic-con, let's just say, or to experience it right. on one ticket that, you know, that is possible. But, um, but I think the long game is what you're saying, which is like, man, I like going to comic-con is that's too grand. That's a lot. And I want to buy toys or something. I'd rather do, fun stuff with that money you know i think it's the same i think it's the same fallacy that happens anytime technology disrupts they think it's going to replace it never replaces i just bought fucking vinyl album not too long like well you know so you know and 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 television didn't replace the theater and Mm -hmm. and nothing gets replaced you just find it it just finds a new way of presentation it should live on top of the live once this is figured out Mm -hmm. because 
you know, hey, if I can go somewhere and meet the person, if I can meet Greedo, like I did at Grand Rapids Comic Con, <laughs> loved it. I got to meet Greedo. He's right yeah. there. I shook his hand. Um, I, I still want to do that, you know? Yep. Right. Well, I think, I think you're hitting the nail right on the head, Joe, because look at Coachella, okay? Obviously, it didn't happen this year. But one of the things I've enjoyed the last couple of years is – I, I'm not flying out to Indio, California and paying all that money and, you know, going and sitting in the desert and whatever. But they usually get a corporate sponsor. I think it's Verizon or someone else. And they have three live YouTube channels. And you can watch the live acts that hold the, both weekends of Coachella. Now, it's free because Verizon's paying a bunch of money. I'm not saying right. that Comic-Con needs to go that direction, you know, Disney, because Disney's not going to Disney's not going to back at all because they have their own thing. But there's got to be some kind of combination of um, subscription or ticket buying and corporate sponsors. And I, I, I too agree. I don't think it's going to erode the physical people actually showing up there. I think it will enhance. I think it's just another money venue. You know. Yeah. I mean, if they start pumping dollars into that and you're, you know, watching a video that then you can interact with and then it peels back another layer and you find an Easter egg like 13 minutes into this, you know, like cool, like exploring Mandalorian or something, you know what I mean? And right. you'll be hooked. And then if you can discover like, ooh, a one-on-one -on -one chat with Pedro Pascal or something like that, mm -hmm. or like John Favreau or like, you know, with a select group of a hundred other people like Joe's talking about, like... You know, and it, and it has all that built into it. I mean, it's going to take a little thought, but I think, mm -hmm. like, with that Peter Gabriel analogy, like, it can happen. It's, it's far from impossible. And then, oh, by the way, at the end of watching all this stuff, you can get Disney Plus for X amount a month, and then they sell another subscription, right? And <laughs> no, but that's that's a huge thing. Like, at, at Comic-Con, I come and go. And on this ecosystem, I can fly into your, into your subscription. I can fly down into a shopping uh, mm -hmm. experience that... I come back to weekly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. like you can you can catch way more moths with a computer screen. <laughs> I just made that up. That's great. <laughs> right <down. laughs> so my, uh, your next pitch, Chris. Your next pitch. Oh yeah, thanks, Joe. I need that kind of language. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's cool. So how how uh, was it successful in their in their eyes? Did, did it? Yeah. Yeah, the traffic was huge. The time spent on the site was huge. I mean, the game, the game, the the uh, the uh, what what we do in the shadows game is is really fun. The American Horror Story um, quiz that got built was was so uh, it it caught fans like like big time, and people played with that thing a ton. And um, uh, there, we're talking uh, about with them about uh, making that a permanent something oh, somewhere cool. so it's cool yeah i mean it really it, it it worked and it was cool and it was sexy and interesting and really like you know we really crafted it well and um it's beautiful so that's yeah, awesome it can happen i, I, I looked through a little bit and uh spent some time i thought it was really fantastic i know the time frame was crazy fast so <laughs> yeah Since, yeah no it, it was only it's up it's up for four days and then it's gone right right i saw but i have a secret started. link i could i could show oh. you a secret link oh yeah. sweet we can't put that yeah. in the notes, can we? No, <laughs> probably not. Um, okay. 
I want to talk to you about, and we're going to get Michael on this too. I want to make sure Michael's involved because I, I know I, I told him before the podcast, you know, full disclosure to everybody out there. Uh, Chris and I started a podcast uh, prior to the Kyrie cast. Um, and we did a few shows. We just couldn't get it off the ground. Uh, whether he got busy and I got busy, we couldn't do it. And uh, so I, I feel a little bit guilty uh, carrying on in a different way. We've kind of talked about that prior to the show. You're dating uh, someone I, else. Yeah, forget and uh, <laughs> but but Michael in his own right had a great podcast as well, and his his partner was was out and about, so it was kind of like one of those uh, uh, Beatles moments or whatever, you know, or like, whatever. Am I the other woman? No, 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 <laughs> no. You're, no, you're not. You're no, no, no. Star, bro. You're, you got rid of. You know what I'm saying? You're. you're, you're I'm just playing. playing. Um, <laughs> oh, okay, cool, cool. But uh, <laughs> over the years, uh, Chris and I worked together in. In, I worked for Cat Footwear, and we, we did some stuff together uh, when I worked for them. Semi Pilot was our agency, and I got to know Chris and um, became really good friends and kind of talked on different levels outside of work, and that was Star Wars. And, and, and I haven't had a chance to actually talk to Chris about Rise of Skywalker. And I know that we've, we've done a lot of it on this show and a few other ones, but we want more other, more other, we want other people's opinions and thoughts in the show, just like we have our friend Alan that came in. That was Michael's old um, podcast partner, and he comes in once in a while. So I want to, uh, I'm hopefully that Chris comes back, and we, as things happen in the Star Wars universe, in any universe he wants to talk about. But uh, yes, please. But I want, uh, I want your thoughts. <laughs> what, what's your initial, your initial? What are your thoughts on Rise of Skywalker? Uh, before Chris, before uh, Michael and I taint anything in this discussion, I want to hear what you thought of it and uh, where you stand on the uh, sequels and Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I love, a, I love a forum for talking about <laughs> the way that I think about these movies. Um, I, you want my visceral reaction? I, everything. Sure. I mean, I, I definitely, I, I went into the, into the theater. I brought my son. Uh, it was like, we had the, the five o'clock showing on a Thursday mm -hmm. with my wife. Uh, and we were all, totally blown away I, I walk out of star wars movies though kind of like the first time in the days yeah i have to i don't like what what just happened and it's so much that i'm trying to keep up with and understand that i, that I have to see it two three I, I end up seeing it seven times in the theater that's my number um i got to so five. I, <laughs> you got the five i got to five nice that's commendable that means you must have enjoyed something. But Wait, for Rise of Skywalker, you watched seven times? I saw it seven times, I got to say. And I and because of this shutdown, I couldn't be more glad of that because I spent almost every one of those times was in like one of the best theaters in Chicago, if not the IMAX, you know? Mm, yeah. Oh, <laughs> time well spent, man. Woo, amazing. Because the way I look at it is like you can't get a better ex two and a half hour experience than like you know, a $15 ticket to go watch the greatest, you know, most expensive cinema you, you could possibly imagine, right? With the deepest uh, mythology behind it. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I, I was, I, I wasn't, my, my first viewing, I was a little confused, but I, I, I loved the thrills of it. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I came to, uh, by the second viewing, I mean, I, I knew it was a, it was a hit when I walked out and my wife was like, that was so much fun and she's a good barometer because she doesn't geek out but she's just you know she's like 
I like she's Star casual, Wars. She's a casual viewer and, and, and likes yep. Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. And she didn't like The Last Jedi too much because she thought it wasn't as fun. But she liked it. But she just was like, oh, it wasn't as fun as The Force Awakens. And I get that, you know. Um, but no, I mean, by the time I was done watching it seven times, I, I had found so much to love about it that uh, I, I was completely sold. Um, and I think I say that because... I think that Chris Terrio and JJ found, um, you know, 75 ways to uh, take the mythology further, deeper, and ultimately larger. And I think, I think my, my whole thing is I, I suspected walking in that, that they were going to try to wrap that the sequel trilogy needed to get wrapped in a way um, where I could imagine Lawrence Kasdan and JJ taking their, taking their first walks and talking about all this. Mm-hmm. And I, these guys, these are smart guys and, and they would have walked and talked and said, if we're going to do another trilogy, there has to be a reason beyond the mythology that we currently understand to make it worthwhile, like to justify the whole thing. Right. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, I'll tell you in just a quick, this, this is my big, this is my big bomb. You ready? I'm ready. Shoot. Okay. The Rise of Skywalker and the sequel trilogy transforms the nine-movie saga into the origin story of the new prime Jedi, or what I would say actually is the prime Skywalker. That being Rey, you mean? Yeah, and Ben combined. Hmm. That the two of them at the end of that movie, the reason they got into the the prime Jedi in the last Jedi, you know, with the mosaic mm-hmm. and the force dyad, the, the idea behind the whole thing was to bring these two insanely powerful families together to change the galaxy forever and to restart how the force is used in the galaxy with a new order. And just like the prime Jedi was like, I think a 10,000 year old origin story of the Jedi the two of them come together, Palpatines and Skywalkers, to form what's going to be known as, in future movies, the prime Skywalker is Rey and Ben. Hmm. Two halves, the light and the dark, coming together. I, I really think that, that that end scene was all about you know, Ben... Um, they traded life forces, right? Or combined life forces. Yeah, like You're big time. Remember, right? Yeah. And I think that bummed out people that that we got Ben for a minute and then he's gone, but I don't think he's really gone. And I think that's why nobody's ever really gone. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I love it for doing that. Like it's, it's basically, it took the mythology further. Um, I don't. So, so, okay. I, I like where you're going. You're, you're taking it to a, 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 a broader context. What do you say to the people that, you know, the sequel trilogy basically i'm not going to say robbed us of our childhood that's a kind of a bullshit thing but, <laughs> but like took luke in a direction that people didn't want to see took it, it it didn't take the opportunity of putting those three together for at least one scene throughout right. three of them um the idea uh well, i'll let you answer that first there's other things i want michael to chime in too because I, I know michael's champing at the bit to say what the <laughs> <laughs> um do you want to go michael or do you want should i go Right. I'm, uh, no, no, that's why you. Why uh, I'm being very polite to our guest right now. 
<laughs> I appreciate that. Um, no, I think um, it's a couple of things. One, I think they avoided. I maybe it wasn't the smartest decision, but they avoided. The, I think they avoided that because they were like, if we put the three of them together, the movie is completely about them. It'll never be about somebody else, and it'll feel like a reunion tour, like the Eagles got back together and. We're going to have to watch these old people plodding through all three movies because they're going to have our full attention and they're going to have to do too much. And I think, I think they made a wise choice in thinking that wouldn't be that awesome, even though fans think it would be, it it already happened once. It's not going to happen when these guys are in their sixties, they'd look ridiculous. I mean, did you notice that they kind of looked ridiculous as they tried to move around like Han Solo being chased by those monsters or by the, you know, Rathars? Yeah, like, he, he looked like an old man. He did not move well. Right. And like Luke, you know, was trying to keep his weight down. And, you know, Mark <laughs> Hamill talked about that a lot. Um, and Leia, like, aged unbelievably between right. uh, even The Force Awakens and Last Jedi. Um, right. Other so problems they, there, but yeah. Yeah, they, they weren't in, they, they clearly weren't in the in, in the position to, to carry a movie by themselves. Yeah, I'm not and, saying, I don't think they could have carried a movie. I think they could have been in a scene. Oh yeah, no, and I, 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 yeah, there was some easy low-hanging fruit that Disney kind of passed up, and uh, I, I, if I had to guess, it was because the guy JJ and all those folks were like, you know, we can't just rest on the past. We're going to have to like, you know, George would have taken this to the next generation. We need to as well, and that's how we're going to capture the next twelve-year-olds, you know, fifteen-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that that sentiment on what they should have yeah. done. Michael, what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's viable? I agree that keeping the three of them apart was the best. It was, it was a better idea because I hear where you're coming from, Joe. Yes, the fans want to see the three of them come together. I mean, they really did. But mm-hmm. it's like Chris here is saying. It, once you put them together, that's every fanboy's wet dream and the focus shifts back to them. And that's not what this series, this, these sequels were about. It was about the next generation. It was about Ray and Finn and Poe. So keeping them apart was the right decision, no matter how badly, even I would have wanted to see them together. (laughs) That's one of the few things I think JJ did well. Right. Let me throw this at you. This is something that Mark Hamill said that, the more I think about it over time, the more I wished it would have happened because I think it would have been better served. And when he was reading the script for Force Awakens, he noticed he wasn't in the movie, obviously, to the end. Right. But he thought he thought the part where after um, Ray and Kylo are fighting, or not Ray and Kylo, but Ray, uh, Finn and, and Kylo are fighting while Ray is knocked out. Yep. After he's thrown her, he throws her against the tree, knocked down. He grabs the the lightsaber, and he gets beaten by Kylo Ray. And then Kylo tries to grab the lightsaber that w- that was Darth Vader's and Luke's or Anakin's, I should say. And it flies through the air. He thought that's when Luke was going to show up. He was the, that Luke was going to catch the lightsaber mm-hmm. and basically defend and take them away. Not necessarily kill Kylo Ren, but and that and caused it maybe that great divide that 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 happened when the planet was starting to break apart because of the, the, the Death Star thing. Um, I think that would have been a better ending 
for that particular movie because I think for me I, I like the sequels Michael knows this I just ha- I just have more as I as I watch them over and over I just have bigger problems with Last Jedi taking it I feel like he made decisions in that movie without contemplating how to bring it how to think of it as a trilogy and I, I, I think there's just they were just too. I don't think they had a full plan. Now, Chris, you and I have talked about this with Last Jedi ad nauseum uh, when when we were on location in uh, uh, Austin. In yeah. Um, yeah. But what do you think now that w- with all of them done? Yeah. I, what are, I mean, What are your thoughts as a, as all three as a trilogy? Right. Yeah. No. I kept I kept waiting for it to to finish to understand. Um, yeah, where where it was going and why, and then. I think it's really significant to have all three in and then go, okay. And, um, you know, I think, no, I I really think that there was, I'm a firm believer in that they had definitely had strong brushstrokes, but that they left space for it to like, you know, ebb and flow a little bit. Like, I, I think that they knew that they needed something like the emperor to be behind it all and maybe do, if do you it think that was from the get-go then Pat? that was my next question i'm glad you asked them brought that up yeah no i i think it was the emperor or it was plagueis and i, I don't think that they had figured they had decided for sure but i, I felt like because even you know that, even in that colin script it like goes to somebody who's like a bigger bad than the emperor right and yeah. they could have gone there they could have gone to plagueis they could have gone to the emperor but i think that it, it um, could have been kylo I just don't think Kylo would have had enough gravitas to be the only bad. I don't think so. Yeah, I really don't think so. And I think because um, we have to at some point, you know, feel for him, and um, he is our hero. I think, which is one of the most brilliant, like, but almost unsatisfying things about the trilogy is that our hero. If you go back and watch The Force Awakens and you watch Han talking to his son on the bridge. Now that you know Ben Solo, when you watch that scene, he totally becomes Ben Solo for a flash. Right. And he's got him. Like he's gonna he's listening to his dad. And then something like clicks. And now you know, oh, it, it might have been, you know, the Emperor's manipulation. But now something clicks and he just goes out. The light goes out. It. It's it's, it's cinematic, dad. right? That's right when the light goes out, mm-hmm. the last part of that sun goes out. That was the last part of Kylo that went out at that point. Yeah, yeah. And it's a beautiful scene and but I, I, I really think that, you know, somebody pointed out how theatrical the throne room scene was in The Last Jedi looking back. Um, it was almost like they wanted you to think of that as a theater because there was the red curtains. The curtains were actually curtains. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Snoke is putting on this big show of like, you know, but really, you know, he's he's uh, he's not a puppet. He's his own person. But the emperor has kind of put him there to... Um, He's a clone. Put on a show. Some kind of clone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and to see what what his new, you know, his final apprentice will do in the face of this sort of theatrical moment of Snoke being this big jerky guy who's literally big and, you know, scary looking. Um, and it's like the test. And, you know, it's 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 interesting though. Like I think I see so much like I mean, Ray sliding out of the back of those Star Destroyers in the beginning of The Force Awakens, she's literally served up as like the child of the Empire. Um, oh, right. You know, like she comes, like she's birthed literally like this, like there's this beautiful metaphor for her, like 
coming out of the bowels of that Star Destroyer, sliding down the hill, and this twinkly little ray theme is playing, and it's so innocent and pure, and it's meant to contrast against like where she's coming from, which is being a child of the Empire. So I see clues everywhere, and so I, I really think that um, uh, it, there was a lot more of a plan than people want to give it credit for. And I, don't, I think further generations will, this won't even be a subject. They'll just be like, they'll watch those movies and be like, yeah, that's one whole piece of storytelling. I love it. I want Michael to interject and say his thoughts on the Emperor. because I know what it is. Bringing back the Emperor was fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it changes the entire it. nine film series from the Skywalker saga to the Palpatine saga. And there's, I, I hate that he's in it. I hate everything about him being in the f- final film. Mm-hmm. I get that. I just, like I said, it's supposed to be the Skywalker saga. But now, and I get that Rey becomes a Skywalker at the end. She chooses that name for herself. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she's Palpatine's granddaughter, or really the daughter of Palpatine's, what, rejected clone or whatever, it just <laughs> is such horse shit. And I'm sorry. It's not the Skywalker saga anymore. It's the shitty Palpatine saga. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's certain. But what wasn't it always? I mean, I, I don't know if one was more important than the other through the first six movies. They were they were the, the two titans of the thing. Yeah. I would argue that the, the, the prequels are just as much Palpatine as anybody else. In fact, might be more than anybody else. The yeah, rise, he might be the main... Rides of Palpatine is episode one, two, and three. You got to see him from uh, senator to chancellor to emperor. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, you know, and all you get to see was a whiny kid turn into a bratty kid turn into a Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. honestly, I mean, I mean, if you look at the writing, I mean, it was it's really it, it was always about that, and and he looms so heavy over uh, Empire Strikes Back and obviously Return of the Jedi that he yeah came a bigger piece there. And if you look at it throughout nine movies, it took three generations of Skywalkers to get rid of him. Right. Pretty strong. And it, it's you know, fascinating. It, it's I almost mean, like the force kept throwing a Skywalker at him because he kept growing. It had to be a Skywalker. Yeah. Right. No. Right. And I think, I think it, and, it, and then it took two to bring him down. Right. It took a, yeah. a Skywalker and a Palpatine to bring down the evil and change the galaxy. And I think, I think, I, I hear what you're saying, Michael. I just i I feel like um, I feel like it's the most natural. At the same time, it's the most natural thing in the world to answer the question that the Emperor left hanging out there since Revenge of the Sith, which is, you know, I, I figured out how to cheat death. I mean, it's right there, and it 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 would almost have been a crime, in my opinion, to not pick up on that thread. Right, I, I, I can see that, but I can also see, you know. It could have, okay, I realize that we know about Darth Plagueis and all that. But you can also see that line as just a way to tangle, kind of dangle a carrot in front of Anakin, uh, especially with his love of uh, uh, Padme. You know, him dropping that line, just, you know, FYI, you know, uh, I know some stuff, just in case. <laughs> sure. Absolutely, absolutely. I think I think it's one of those things where 
you know, you go back and when Obi-Wan said, or, you know, Darth Vader betrayed and murdered your father, well, they kind of had to twist that line around too, because was Obi-Wan lying? You know, right. I mean, there's, there's a lot of that stuff and a lot of, some would call it retcon. I call it being creative with what has been given to you on the painting before or the, yeah. or, or the poem before. Um, so yeah, I, now do I think it, I, I didn't mind the emperor was the whole thing executed great. I think there's been problems in execution. And I think, you know, if, sure. if, if they could have explained it, and I think that for some reason, JJ had to have a time frame to get that movie done. Like in terms of it's got to play two hours and X amount of minutes, because I think they would have lost a, a, sh- a viewing if they didn't. Right. You know what I mean? You would lose after yeah. a certain amount of film time, you're going to lose a, a, a viewing in the theater, which costs you money. Mm-hmm. I think I you're think, right. I think that was a Disney thing. I think, you know, when I watch it over and over, I think there's some editing that needs to happen in the beginning. Like it could have been longer and told yeah. a little bit longer. It didn't have to be jump, 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 jump to get me to. I don't know what happened there. It's such a, um, it's a mystery. Like it's cool, but it's also like very unlike the rest of the series. Yeah. Yeah. And I th- that's, that's, that's the misstep I think. And I think there's, there's a lot of, I think there's maybe a little bit of too much, um, uh, I'm not, I can't find the word, not happenstance, but like too many problems mm-hmm. were solved easily or, 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 you know, Michael and I talked about this, you know, they go to this planet and the ship is up on the rock and it runs fine. No one saw it. No one's, you know, there's no one's, no one's ripped <laughs> it apart. No one's taking things from it. Right. And, you know, these yeah. things, things were a little too easy, you know, yeah, it's been sitting there for what, 20, 30 years at that point. No one's bothered to scavenge it. Come on now. All right. Right, yeah, it's just sitting there, and everybody knows it's sitting there. Because I think I think that happens when you. I'm not saying they were rushed. They had a time frame that they had to get it out in, and I think the script could have done a th- two or three more thread rewrites. I think everything. I think all the beats were there. Mm-hmm. I think there was some execution that that could be fixed. Not even to mention the problems I have with Last Jedi, which they've heard here uh, a million times. See, no, I, I and I really think that so. I, I really think that that JJ picked up what Ryan did and I don't think that he tried to change what Ryan did. I think he was just, Oh, I agree with you, Chris. Yeah. Like he, I think he just, he took, he took it and he was like, yeah, Luke learned his lesson. He's back. Yeah. And now he's saying something different. And yeah, my problems with the last Jedi have nothing to do with the Luke story. Gotcha. It, it's I Luke's fine. That's, that's where you went. It's good. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's fine. It's, it, it, it it's a way to go. It's at the end of Luke's life. We don't know anything in between that happened that drove him there other than everything kind of fell apart. And you can see why, you know, people go up and down, you know, there's no perfect Yoda blew it in, in, uh, right. in the prequels, right? He, he couldn't beat the emperor and he, he, he had to learn that he failed in terms of what he thought the force was. And he's been blinded and through ego, which is what Luke thought to, you know, yeah. I get all that thread. My problem was, I think that one of my favorite characters from, the Force Awakens was Finn. And I think they just destroyed him as it went. I thought he was such a great character. I thought he was better than Ryan yeah. Skywalker. And I really thought that that Ryan Johnson took a great character and sidelined him yeah. to, a, to a crap role. Like his role was garbage in, in Last Jedi. That whole, everything yeah. with him and yeah. Rose, it's not Rose's fault. She's a fine character, but all I unneeded. Know. Like, I know. Just a waste of an hour. And that bothered me so much that like, if, 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 if we thought Finn and I like the idea of Finn possibly having uh, force abilities, right? And these maybe these stormtroopers all came together. They had force with. Love that. That takes that goes back to Ryan Johnson's. Anybody can be 
a force wielder, right? He didn't take that away in Rise of Skywalker. There's clearly he has some kind of force ability or he has a connection with Ray that we don't know why other than the force. And if we think we were going to go that way, like didn't, why didn't they talk about that? Like he should have had some kind of, he had no, and it, and it goes back to, to what I said at the beginning. And I know I apologize to listeners that have heard this a million times. It's because Ryan Johnson decided to start that movie five minutes after the prior one. He, he dug himself a trench that he couldn't get out of and it, mm-hmm. it screwed everything up. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. It's, it's not what we were used to in our star Wars movies. And you don't want to feel like it's just like a couple days in the lives of these guys, you know, you want it to be bigger than that. And I think that was a, a big miss. Um, I mean, I, I expected Finn after that wound, I totally thought, okay, they're going to set him up to not only be a force user, but he's going to have like some evil shit going on because he's going to wake up with like a metal spine, right? right. He's be a little robotic and then that could be really cool. And yeah, like I, 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 you know, Praise be to to a, a Star Wars character of a, a woman of color get you know having a starring role, but mm-hmm. they just didn't do much. Like you know they they kind of blew it with Rose just introducing her like as a as somebody who's crying. Like right. it, it it didn't it didn't flow. And then yeah, separating Finn from Poe. Like you could have had Rose there, but just why break up those two? Um, they were so charming together mm-hmm. in The Force Awakens. Yeah, I think um, I think the Force Awakens set it up. I mean, beautifully, beautifully. It, I mean, people were so excited about those characters; it was ridiculous. Yeah, and Ryan, I you know, I think he's a good filmmaker. I just didn't think he made a good Star Wars film. I think he had some good themes in there, and I don't have I don't have any problems with what he did with mm-hmm. Luke and, and did those things. And uh, I, I, you know, I liked the, the the kind of twist ending, and you know, um, but yeah, I think I mean, I yeah, I sorry, I. I think that like the um, the big misses for me was like yeah making like there was a great opportunity there for for Finn and Poe to to, to go on a mission. Uh, I think it should have been like Finn was in the bad guy's hands. They should have left him there, and like there should have been some really intense tension at the end of that movie, which there wasn't for some weird reason. Yeah, that's a good idea. Like that would if they if if he was the Han Solo, right? He's trapped. Yeah. Just you know? copy copy the Empire a little bit. It's fine. We're okay with that. <laughs> it happens, right? Yeah, and, I mean, and, leave me thinking that, like, like you know, that like they, they were the rebellion was screwed, but they were happy and hugging, and it wasn't like it was kind of like okay, everyone's dead now, and we're just happy to see each other again. It's like, dude, Poe just killed like the entire rebellion on accident, and you know, like, where's the? I wish they would spend a little more time with the gravitas of some of these things that happen. You know? Yeah, it's it's because he rushed right after the last film. Like there was no reason to do that. There was zero reason, and the only and and that goes back to like if Luke would have caught that lightsaber, he wouldn't have been on that island. Because I, I I don't think right. I don't right. think I don't think Ryan knew what to do with it. I think oh my god, he's on this island. Well, he's there for what? Like, there was no well, reason they couldn't have cut to two years later and and Ray still training with Luke. Like there's mm-hmm. no reason. Yeah, like the rebellion was or the resistance was clear of the first order for a minute. Yep. They could have they could have not been evacuating the next second. Like it was, they just blew up their base. Like they should be cool for a minute, right? Yeah, for yeah, for a little bit and, to find another path or whatever. And I know they don't want to repeat what was done in Empire. And I know they would have been yeah. beat up for that. And, and, right. But then, like, if you dived into like yo, like why the hell, why the heck Yoda stayed on Dagobah for eighteen years, like. 
if you dove into that as your movie theme, I don't know how satisfying that would feel to everybody. Yeah, you, you can't dive too deep because if you really want to dive into it, R2 could have told Luke right away that he has everything in his memory. <laughs> right. He told him all this shit. Yeah, that's right. your dad. <laughs> but then like Yoda's the ultimate hero we learn later and he's been just sitting in a swamp for 18 years while all this right. terrible stuff's going on it's like <laughs> right you know, it's the same frustration you had with Luke where you're kind of like all right like this is there's too much going on like get off your butt let's go like right like that they drag that out for that's my problem with Last Jedi is it just it drags out Space Chase and it drags out our hero like getting off his butt and that's not fun. It just it's just not that fun. But it's a cool movie. I'll give it props. Visually great. And it's got some good beats to it, but it, it wrecked it it threw the sequel series into a weird spot. And I think what JJ got right, he tried to get right. I think after everything's been done, I don't know how much different he could have made Rise of Skywalker, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. Um, what I, there's some choices I would have made differently, right. but that's only after seeing his. That's very unfair. I, I can't write a Star Wars film. Otherwise, I wouldn't be in my bedroom with a <laughs> fucking microphone in front of me trying to do a podcast. Um, but I, I thought the fun was back in Rise of Sky, Skywalker. And I had was. fun watching it. Is it game-changing? No. Is it going to push things down the road? No. Um, ironically, and I, we've only got an hour. We'll bring you back another time. Uh, but ironically, The Mandalorian did do something that changed the game in terms of how to make TV shows and what technology to use and mm-hmm. everything that George Lucas did. So real quick, I want to get your thoughts on Mandalorian and then we can wrap this thing up and uh, hopefully you'll come back and we can talk more. I would like to talk to you more about, uh, maybe we'll do a uh, episode on the state of star Wars or something, but your Mandalorian. Yeah. Thoughts. That sounds fun. Yeah. Um, uh, I love, I love the Mandalorian. I think like I, I dig the smaller stories, the, the pace i think at times it feels like a little too pat and a little too um simplistic in certain episodes but Mm -hmm. i think that when that happens it's because they're setting you up for something that's going to happen a lot later um like i think there's gonna be a big payoff about you know the bounty hunter they killed in the desert or for sure you know uh or the, the that heist gang because like if you yeah. if you watch that heist episode again which is really cool um they there's all these allusions to mandalorian's terrible past yeah like i think he was a terrible dude and i think they're gonna get you to like love that guy and then be like oh wait he's terrible yeah um and that's fun i i, I think it's not i it's exciting as all get out um though there are moments when i watch it where I'm, i kind of eye roll a little bit like um Something about that pastoral uh, episode four, I think it was, felt a little funny to me. The one that Bryce Howard directed. Yeah, I, I liked it. It was very. It's a. It's an old western. Yeah. You know, help the help the town. Yeah, the cute home on yeah. the range kind of thing. Yeah. But man, it it did end. It ended in epic fashion. The last two episodes just rocked it, and I'm so excited that Taika Watiti is Watiti. Yep is is given a movie to make because that guy's just got a brilliant sense of you know humor and style to him i think it's going to be amazing yeah we'll see if he gets a movie i don't trust anything that comes out of disney right now i know same so gun to your head uh someone comes to you and says all right we're going to remove one of these two from existence 
<laughs> the prequel, or not the prequel, sorry. The sequel trilogy, episode 7, 8, and 9, or The Mandalorian? Which one do you keep? Uh, sequel trilogy. Keep, you mean? Yeah, keep it. Joe? Gosh, that's hard, man. That is really hard. I'm going to say keep the Mandalorian. And I, I mean this in a way like I got Star Wars television and I get, I'm going to see more series. And I think that the sequel trilogy would still get made sometime afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but you won't have Carrie Fisher and you won't have no, Mark you're Hamill. Right. You're right. Right. The Carrie Fisher. That's a big one. That is a big oh my one. God. Okay. Wait, really quick. It was amazing that she was a Jedi in the rise of Skywalker. And that right. was a brilliant little way to get something that we didn't have that was really meaningful yeah it, it was awesome you know what and i just watched it again a, a week ago um now they bring carrie fisher up but it's you know the way i understood it now after watching it the the, the last time that when the second that um she kind of calls to bend or she's she lays down or she's dead or whatever mm-hmm. we don't in fact i don't think she was necessarily dead dead she was only mostly dead um she was in kylo she helped him all the way till he actually passed mm-hmm. because he she faded when he faded mm-hmm. they waited to show her fade away into the force after he was faded at the same time so yeah. it's my belief that that princess leia or leia was actually part of ben um when he turned back definitely do you know what i mean did Michael, do you, you know what I'm talking about, or do you remember? He's only seen it once, right? Correct, but that sounds familiar, and I I, I can live with that explanation. But yeah, I've only seen the film once. It didn't hit me till this viewing. Like, oh my god, that's the same time they showed her dying earlier, but she wasn't. You know, her essence, her force, did not become one with the force and went into her son. And that's where he says, like, the princess of Alderaan has altered my plan. <laughs> to, you know, I love that line, by the yeah. way. The yeah. princess of Alderaan. Yeah. Yeah, she's cool, and that or they that that was a really cool thing, and they definitely was very deliberate. Um, yeah, like they you know they found a very clever way to like make Leia the hero of that movie, and they despite not having any footage or like you know no new footage of her to use. I mean, it's just brilliant what they did, and they made it so. I mean, I think I think the scene with Han and Kylo, despite all odds, was one of the best scenes of that movie yeah. of the entire saga. It, it, well, it was a nice. Bookend. Yeah, I will say this beforehand. We, otherwise, we'll get down another road here. But I do think they did not utilize Mark Hamill correctly in Rise of Skywalker. They used him in a good spot there. But they could have right. used him. Talk when you have a, a line set up by Ryan. See you around, kid. Uh-huh. He should have talked to Kylo. Uh huh. He should have been somewhere in that film as a ghost yeah. talking to him. Like you, you had the best setup. Like Ryan couldn't give you a better setup. There was no reason not to have him haunt. Kylo a little bit. It would have been amazing. That's a miss. I think that's a I, miss. I, I'm still so shocked that they, that like there was a fan edit where they ended the last Jedi where Luke doesn't die, but he just starts, he gets the tears in his eyes. Yeah. And then the movie cuts. And when, and when that happens, you're like, he's back. Like that, yeah. that feels like the point of the movie was to bring him back. And that's what they should have done. Why, like, if if Carrie Fisher died a year before they released the Last Jedi, why would they just not go? You know what? Clip that. Yep. Keep this dude alive. Yep. Let's have one more star in the in the final movie. They should have. 
I don't get it. That's a Kathleen Kennedy miss. Huge. 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 Huge, huge. Anyways, we Good can stuff, discuss guys. this a lot more, and we will over time. I love Chris, it. thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I, I hope you had a good time. I had a great um, time. Thank you guys. Thanks, Michael. Thank you for yeah. Darth, Darth and Obi-Wan. No, <laughs> I, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. But before you go, though, I want to ask one quick question. I know we're wrapping things up, but other than Star Wars, and this is just a quick answer, what are you geeking out about this week? Ooh. Other than Star Wars? Well, it can be Star Wars, if you, but just what, what's number? What's tops on your in your geek scale this week? Um, top it would be um, Green Lantern. My nice. my daughter is discovering Green Lantern, the Flash. She's four, right? And so, the Green Lantern and Flash and Robin are like so fascinating to her, and, really? I, and it just reignites all those. My love, I, I loved those characters growing up for some reason. So I'm going to say, she just got a Green Lantern t-shirt, so I'm going to say the Green Lantern, top of the list. That's that awesome. works. Joe, what are you geeking uh, about this week? You still watching BSG? What are you doing? Um, No, I started watching the making ofs, so it's a Star Wars thing, sorry. Um, I'll, I'll, go to, I'll go to BSG <laughs> again. <laughs> I'll go to BSG again next week. Well, because a lot of it is, you know, I'm working all day, and um, I actually want to really watch Battlestar. Like, I don't want it in the background. Like I think it's worth you know, I mean, like putting it, but then by the time night comes around, something else happens, and I, you know, I can't jump in. I respect that. So yeah, I'm kind of uh, so I'm I'm all in right now on the whole Dawn of X, the relaunch of the X Men line from Marvel. This is um, based off the last series, the um, House of X, and yes, the it? House of X uh, Powers of Ten rebooted the entire X Men line, yeah, so, which was great. It was very very good. It was really good, really good. Um, so I haven't been buying the single issues, but I've been buying the trades of as they've come out, and I've decided I committed to at least the first trade of every new X title. So uh, this week I'm making my way through Excalibur Volume 1. That's so is it, it's good? What's that? Is it, you read it already? No, I'm halfway through. And it's a continuation of the reboot, right? It picks up where that left off, or is that the first? No, the first one that came out, so they've come out now. There's been X-Men Volume 1, which is obviously the X-Men series. That kind of kicks off right where Age of X, or uh, not Age of X, uh, House of X left off. Gotcha. Then after that, you get New Mutants Volume 1, which um, that I did read. So far, that's the one I've enjoyed the most. Um and I'm still going through, so I've I've got Excalibur Volume One I'm in right now. Um, then I have Marauders, which I'll be reading next. And then just today, X Force Volume One came to my door. So I've got some X Men books to read. As of like I said, I've only read, you know, the reboot, the whole House of X, Powers of Ten, which was fantastic, as Joe said. But uh, so far, out of the two I've read, I really like New Mutants the most. I I, I really can't explain it other than it was fun. Rad. That's great. Yeah, it's cool. The, I'm so stuck in read. the 70s with my comics. So I, I have I have no idea. I have no perspective. <laughs> That's okay. But they're cool. Did you, have, you, is it, have you guys read the, Dar, uh, the, the Darth Plagueis novel? Yes. God, that's good. Yeah, it's very good. Super good. That was, that 
that's been a, a lockdown favorite of mine so far. I read the Darth Bane, and then I went into the Darth Plagueis. Ooh, I read that Darth Bane one too. Now, now I've been reading. Um, I'm on the third of the latest Thrawn before the new one comes out, so I'm on the last Thrawn series. Oh, I, I want to get. I, I start. I, I read the first one. Oh, so good. It's really good. Didn't they announce uh, a, a, a second trilogy they're going to do with him now? Yeah, it's called Ascendancy. It's actually like a prequel. Gotcha. So, oh yeah. Which it's that because got to make it to the movies, man. After we were at Comic Con last time, when we when we were there as a team, Michael, I did speak to. I got his autograph and a signed book um, from Timothy Zahn, and basically he can't go past anything Rebels did because Disney and Filoni has first first rights on what to do with the character after Rebels. Ooh. Gotcha. Makes sense. So he, he can't do anything, which means Filoni's going to do something. With him. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. We're going to see that on the screen, live action. That's I hope so. Happen. Could be a series. Let's leave it at that because it's a whole – I could I could talk for hours, man. Um, <laughs> I know. Especially when, when you guys are here. So it's, it's, uh, it's good. So, again, thank you, Chris, for joining the episode today. We'll definitely will bring you back. Uh, for those that are their first-time listeners, thank you so much for listening. If you have listened to our podcast before, thanks for coming back. Please share it. It's all we can do is to build this audience up is to share. If you uh, listen on Apple Podcasts, uh, give us whatever star you think is appropriate. A lot of podcasts ask for five. Whatever you think we're worth, put it on there. Um, and you can find us on any various podcatchers throughout from um, Pocket Casts, Spotify, all those places. Uh, Michael takes care of all of our social media. Michael, where can they find us, and uh, what do you want them to do? Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find us at KyberCast or The KyberCast. Uh, I do respond pretty quickly. We do have, I think I mentioned in the last week and the week before, we now have a KyberCast group. We're trying to make something a little bit more interactive. I did put a, I did put a poll up there today uh, asking a question, so feel free to check out the KyberCast group on Facebook. Um, like I said, uh, stop by, say hi. How's it going? If only I could find a really good agency in Chicago to help the KyberCast become a big deal. Uh, that works for free. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's it for this week. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next time. I have spoken. What a piece of junk. Boring conversation anyway.